You are now tuned in to the December 26th podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Hey, 26er family, welcome to the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and guess what? I am flying solo once again. Now, I know when we announced that we would be putting guests on pause for basically the remainder of the year, the expectation was that I would do, I guess, one solo episode a month and Demarcus and I would do one installment of Extraordinary Occurrences a month. But your boy has been traveling quite a bit. He's been on the road for work and some personal travel as well. Um, So we have not been able to connect at the cadence that we normally would. So with that being said, I decided not to leave y'all hanging any longer and just jump back on the mic by myself. So I spent some time meditating, half meditating, half racking my brain about what I wanted to talk about in this episode. And as usual, it came to me really randomly. Uh, If you have been following the show for quite some time, you know that I bought a house at the top of the pandemic. So I bought a house with a complete vision of what I wanted that home to look like by the time I was done renovating and decorating and all those things. Uh, That has been a process, a process that is still not complete, uh, mainly because, you know, coming into a new home, well, new to me during the pandemic was wild. Permits were on pause, like construction was just completely halted here in my state. And then even when they reopened the permit applications and I was able to get started on some work, supply chain issues. Oh my God, you couldn't get things here. Then the cost of wood like quadrupled. So what was supposed to be a one and done situation for me has been uh, an ongoing journey of trying to create the home that I envisioned in my mind. So while a bulk of the work has been done, there's still things I have to do and still a lot of things that I need to buy in order for the house in terms of like furniture and decor and all of that. It's not a game. If you have not owned a home or just some place with a lot of square footage, it it really is no joke trying to get the place situated in the way that you would like it to be, unless you're in the business of just dropping a whole lot of money all at once. So um, I was actually just searching for a couple of accent pieces uh, for my home on the internet when this idea popped in my head. And it really came from just thinking about things with the house, but in particular, a specific incident. And so that incident is what inspired this episode. So after getting the house sort of in decent enough shape and enough work done on it that I could start to buy furniture, I was excited because I'm like, you know, this is the fun part. But the thing about buying a home that was built in 1923 is that it comes with its own unique charm. So even though the prior owners had made some updates, clearly I came in and made updates as well. The actual layout of the home is exactly as it was, uh, you know, years and years and years ago. And so there are some pretty interesting measurements <laughs> in certain places in this house. And one of those places is the dining room. Uh, so when I was on the hunt for a buffet table or a sideboard, I realized that a lot of the modern pieces were just too deep for my dining room. For the wall that it was going to go on, it was going to jut too far out. And so I finally, finally, finally found 
This buffet that I really liked and it was the right measurements from the width to the depth to the height, everything. And I was like, here we go. The only problem was it was out of stock. So I put on an in-stock alert, waited it out months and months and months, finally get this email. The item that you have on your list is back in stock. So I race to the website, purchase the item, get my order confirmation. I don't even think it was a full day later and I get a notification that the the item is back ordered. So clearly everybody ran in and did the same thing I did and here we are. So I'm basically like, you know what? I waited this long, no no matter. I'll just keep waiting. Eventually this thing will will come. So they had given me a forecasted ship date of like a month and a half or something. Not a big deal. That month and a half goes by. I get another notification that is still back ordered and my date is being pushed back. This happens probably three or four times. So over a period of months, this was maybe last year, started in the spring. By July, I was continuing to get back orders. Then comes October. By October, I get an email saying that my order has been canceled because the manufacturer has decided to discontinue this item. So, you know, I'm frustrated, but at the end of the day, it's just a piece of furniture. So whatever, I'll try to find something else. So I go, I'm looking high and low, trying to find another item that has similar measurements, but also matches my aesthetic and I can't find anything. Now in this process, I'm still dealing with my contractor who's working on a number of like smaller projects in the house. So I express my frustration to him and he's like, oh, let me see the buffet that you intended to get. So I show him and he's like, I can build that. And not only can I build it, but I can add all the embellishments and everything in it that you really like. And I'm like, are you serious? He's like, absolutely. And for you, I won't even charge you any more than what they're selling it for. So I'm like, sold, bingo, let's do this. So this is in January of this year. And if anybody has dealt with contractors, you know that even the ones who are great and are well-intentioned can be horrible with deadlines and scheduling, particularly now because most still are just dealing with the aftermath of the pandemic and some of the reverberating effects of, again, materials, you know, supply chain issues, et cetera. So every one that I've dealt with from just subcontractors to, to a general contractor has been a disaster. And so even though he told me that he could build this thing. I paid a deposit, all that great stuff. Months go by and no buffet. So I'm trying to be patient and I'm telling myself I've waited all this time. Just keep waiting. But it went from January to February to March to April to May and I still had no buffet. And so after a while, I got tired of having the conversation about it. I was already impatient, but I could tell that The deadline that we had set was not being respected, number one. And number two, my contractor has known my family for so long that there's a level of familiarity there. So it was clear to me that I was being put on the back burner because he felt like, given the personal connection, that I would just wait. (laughs) Well, the joke was on him because finally I got so frustrated that I called him and I was like, cancel this out. I'm not doing it. I don't want to hear any excuses. And that's, of course, when all the excuses came. And I'm like, no, I'm done. Like, and he's like, well, what, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know I'm not doing this anymore. And the minute I decided to just cancel the order, 
it was like all that frustration I had just went away. And one thing I can say about me is I consider myself a very decisive person, but there are instances in which I may give people more opportunities than I need to. And oftentimes to my own detriment. But when I decide, that's it. There's no convincing me of anything differently. So once I made that decision, I felt very empowered and I knew that it was the right decision. I knew that in my gut that like something else will work out. After having combed the internet for months and months trying to find this one piece of furniture, then finding one, having the order canceled, finding someone to build it, and then having to cancel that It was not even a week later, I was searching around on the internet, not even looking for this buffet. I had just kind of put that on the back burner, was just searching around for decor and some design ideas where this particular piece of furniture, this buffet pops up in an advertisement. So I pull up the link and I realize, A, not only is it in the design style, that I like, but B, it is the exact measurements that I need. Not to mention it was also on sale and it was better quality than what I was looking at previously. So I read some reviews, check it out. I decide, you know what? I'm going for it. It was at a website I had never shopped on before. I order it, thing shows up, white glove delivery, not even three weeks later. And it was so easy after literally almost two years of trying to find this piece of furniture, I now had what I was looking for. That was actually better than what I wanted originally. And that experience is what inspired this podcast episode. So what I want to talk about is why it's so important to stop trying to force the things that you desire. And while I took a very simple example about an everyday life experience, As I started to reflect on this subject, I realized that as much as I am a planner and a strategist and a doer, nobody could ever call me lazy. Like I know how to get things done. I'm a hard worker, often to my own detriment. But when I look back over every chapter of my life, many of the pivotal moments that I've had, many of the greatest blessings that I've had, many of the greatest opportunities I have received came without me having to really work so hard, which was a revelation for me, to be honest, because of course I've had to work hard in my life. That is no secret, but I had never taken stock in that way to think back on all of those pivotal moments that have really been stepping stones for me to get to the next level in my life. I've never looked at them in totality. And I was a bit awestruck when I started to put it together. I know in theory you know, the art of surrender. I've talked about it on this show. I know what that means, but to actually just take stock of how it has played out in my own life really got me to thinking about those occurrences and what do they really have in common and what lessons could I glean from them for uh, this episode. Now, I know if you are a 26er, if you have labeled yourself that you are much like me and that you are a striver and we like to come up with all the steps. We like to have a plan. We often overanalyze and we make decisions in lockstep. We do this. Once you get that done, you move to the next thing and we can work ourselves to the bone trying to make things happen and trying to manifest dreams. And we don't do well when we do what we think 
are all the right things and it doesn't quite pan out the way that we would like. And so I'm going to talk about a couple of things that may feel a bit counterintuitive to you as a 26er, but these things have been tried, tested, and proven in my own life uh, now that I'm thinking, thinking back on it. And so if you're at a point where you feel like you've been trying so hard and trying and trying and trying and things are not quite working, uh, this one is for you. So the first step is the obvious one. Stop chasing. Whatever it is that you're, you're after, be it a job or a relationship or your big break or whatever that thing is that you're really trying to run towards, it's really important to stop feeling like you have to chase it down and just do whatever to make it happen. And it doesn't mean that you you become unproductive. That's not what I'm saying. And we're going to get into what that means. But the first thing is to just stop chasing it. And what I mean by that is you got to get to a point where like, if everything that you're doing is not producing results, it's it's time to take a pause. And the, the reason why this is so important is because chasing something by its very nature implies that the thing has to be caught. And if you have a vision for your life and you have things that you think are a part of your story or a part of your journey, and you believe that they're supposed to happen for you, you don't have to catch them. You don't have to chase them down. They will meet you where you where you are in the appointed time. And by chasing, it sends an energy out there that you are desperate or you are unsure. Because when you're chasing it down, that essentially means that you don't trust that you can receive it. Like you don't trust that it will just come to you and manifest when it's supposed to. So it's not only exhausting to chase and it really produces the wrong results nine times out of 10 because of what you're putting out in the world. It really is counterintuitive and it really serves the wrong purpose in that it says to everything outside of yourself that I don't believe this thing can happen unless I am toiling for it or unless I run it down. It, it is, I believe that it's for me, but I don't believe so much that I know in my knowing that it can find me. So it's important to take that step back. And, and if you're a person who, who has always strived for everything and always worked double time to try to make it happen, it will feel very uncomfortable in the beginning to say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not chasing this down anymore. And whatever chasing down looks like for you, you know, that could vary. For some people, it's trying to get somebody's attention, be it a business acquaintance that you want, be it you know, I don't know, an opportunity or a break that you think you need to get to the next step, whether it's a feature or this or that. And I know there are these stories out there of people who, you know, artists who stood outside of a record, uh, a recording label or whatever, record recording studio or record label day in and day out waiting to get somebody's attention or sent somebody 50 emails. I will tell you right now, my personality is such that if I think that I'm supposed to know somebody or we're supposed to be connected, I'll send a message. I might even follow up with the second one. After that, I am probably taking a step back because I don't want to feel like I am forcing something to happen when the other person clearly is not on the same page. And some people will disagree with me there, but I am never the one now to continue to take action and continue to run on a treadmill that is not producing results. And so if you feel like you have been really, really like nose to the grindstone, rolling your sleeves up. And no matter what you do, 
it seems whatever you're after is farther and farther away, that's your sign that you're chasing. And you might want to take a step back. And taking that step back may mean that you go from doing everything, doing the most, to doing nothing. And that can feel like giving up. But it's not giving up. It's not giving up on your dream. It's giving up on this idea that you have to will something into existence. That's all I'm saying. It's going, giving up on going against the tide. Because if that thing is not flowing in your life right now, it may just not be the right time. And by you trying to make it happen, you're actually prolonging the process and probably creating more and more distance between you and that thing you're trying to manifest. That's the first thing. Stop chasing. The next step in this process is to allow certainty and uncertainty to coexist. What do you mean, D, by that? I'm going to tell you. I had someone ask me recently, where are you from an emotional perspective? Like, what are you feeling these days? Have you checked in with yourself? And my knee-jerk response out of nowhere was, you know, I feel very certain and very uncertain at the same time. And what I meant by that at the time is what I'm bringing to you in that I feel more certain than I ever have about where I'm going to end up in my life. I have a very clear vision of what my life could potentially look like a few years from now. And as much as I'm clear on what I'm purposed to do, I also know that God can dream a bigger dream for me than I can dream for myself. So probably what I'm seeing is only a fraction of what my life can turn into, but I'm very certain on the direction that I am headed in. What I am not so certain of is every step to get there. And for a long time, I would get caught up in the uncertainty of the how that I became uncertain about the what. And I think that happens with a lot of us because we don't know everything we have to do to get what it is that we desire or to get to the thing or the life that we feel we are called to. We start to question whether we're called to it. And the reality of it is there is nobody on this planet, I I don't think, who knows every single step and every single chapter and every single turn that their life is going to take. There are always surprises. There are beautiful surprises, not so great surprises that really can impact your journey. And oftentimes if it were up to us, obviously we, we would want that journey to be in a straight line and that doesn't always happen. But I think what separates those who can manifest the vision from those who cannot it's the, the, the certainty. It's the thing that knowing that no matter what, even though I may not know how to get there, I know where I am meant to be in the end. And so what you have to do is really separate the steps from the destination. And if you can get to a point where you have such a strong sense of self that even when everything in your life feels unstable or feels behind or feels really confusing and uncomfortable, If you can get to the point where that's happening, but you don't lose sight of what your end game is and what you know is for you, that is how certainty and uncertainty can coexist. And we live in a society and in a time where people expect us to have an answer for everything. So I don't know if you've had this experience, but I know I have where, you know, I I tell somebody, hey, you know, I think there's this thing that 
I want to do or this thing that I want to create. And they're like, well, how are you going to do that? And how are you going to pay for it? That sounds expensive. That sounds time consuming. How's all that going to work? And there was a time that if I didn't have like the answers to those questions, basically they were making me insecure about the thing I just felt secure about just by virtue of not being able to respond to whatever it is that they're peppering me with. I've now gotten to a point in my life where I'm very, I can confidently say, I don't know. If someone's like, well, how are you going to make that happen? I don't really know yet, but I just know it's something that I'm supposed to be doing. And this is an example of being certain and uncertain at the same time. And you can't let the uncertainty about the steps encroach upon your certainty about the destination. And so if you're in a point in your life right now where things have just gone so far off the rails or so far from what you thought it would be that you've lost sight of the vision that you have for yourself, I would encourage you to spend some time in thought and meditation and prayer to get back to that. Get back to the crystal clear vision. Find your certainty on that. If you can find certainty on that point, you can rest a little bit more peacefully in the uncertainty about what it's going to take to get there. Now, I know you might be saying, okay, all of this is great, but we can't just rest in the knowing of the destination. Like we have to put some work in. That is true. Uh, so that brings me to the last step in this topic. And after you stopped, you've stopped chasing and after you've learned how to live with certainty and uncertainty, the next step is to take inspired action. So yes, I've gotten you to this point just to tell you that you still have some work to do, but you probably already knew that. When I talk about working for the sake of working and just trying, 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 and it's not manifesting anything, the opposite of that is doesn't mean that you're doing nothing in perpetuity. While you're trying to get that surrender down, you're trying to get that whole certainty and uncertainty coexisting thing down. That may mean for a period of time, you are in a state of inactivity and that's okay because most of you probably need rest anyway. But that inspired action, I'm talking about the things that you know in your gut that you're supposed to be doing. It's that nudging that you feel or that voice that's telling you, you know, you need to be doing X, Y, and Z. And we've all had that conversation where you're talking to someone and you're like, I need to start this thing. I, I, I feel it in my gut that it's something there. And I just haven't done it. And I think there are a couple of reasons why we don't, when we know we're supposed to do those things. Oftentimes when we get those, those moments of intuition or those flashes of inspiration where we know there's something there, we generally don't get the full picture. We generally still don't get the end result. We just know it's a step we need to take. And sometimes it can feel overwhelming. You get caught in that paralysis analysis, right? Where you're just thinking about it so much. Well, if I do that, then what comes next from there? And this doesn't make any sense. Um, so sometimes we get caught there and sometimes it's just a feeling of, man, I still have to put the work in, but I'm here to tell you that if you are feeling that in your gut, if your intuition is telling you, this is the step that I'm supposed to take next, you cannot take that lightly. That is the inspired action I am referring to. And let me let you in on another secret. That inspired action may feel so far off from what you should be doing to move the needle forward. And I'm going to give an example that kind of sums up a lot of this for me. So 
if you have been with us for a long time, particularly the early episodes of the show, I sort of talked about my own personal Valley experience where I was questioning everything. My career, I was just unfulfilled. The place I was as an attorney in that place being in solo practice, I was burnt out. It just wasn't giving what I thought it was going to give in my life. And I had gone from that to like not getting out of solo practice, but splitting my time between that and some philanthropic work with somebody else's nonprofit, because I was like, maybe I'm not fulfilled because I'm not serving the community. And so I thought that was the right move to make. And it turned out to be a toxic disaster. Uh, And so I got to the point where I was like trying to make it work, trying to make it work and trying to balance that with my legal career. And I was making I was making no progress. I was not only running on a hamster wheel, I was just on fumes at that point, just mentally and emotionally and physically exhausted from just a couple of years of feeling like I was fighting against the tide. So I waved the white flag and said, I'm done. Like, I can't do this anymore. I'm out. I just, I don't know. I don't know what my next move is, but I'm done. And so once I decided to do that, you know, I had to tell myself it was the first time in my life that I didn't have a next step. I didn't know what to do next, but I had to tell myself, listen, you've always been taken care of. You've, you've, always figured it out, something will come clear to you about what to do next. And the first thing I did, actually, I was in that whole surrender, stop chasing. For two weeks, I did nothing. I had no answer. I was like living off a little bit of savings that I had. And I was just like, man, if this, if I don't, if it doesn't come next, what I'm supposed to do, I don't know what's going to be next, but like for right now, I just need to rest. And so in that time, this is what I mean by inspired action. What I was feeling in my gut was to take a temporary position. And it was doing the kind of temp work that lawyers do as a last resort. And it wasn't a last resort for me because there were many things that I could have been doing that I was qualified to do, that I had the the credentials to do, but it was what I was hearing. Like, I knew it would be easy. I knew it would be like, for my brain, almost being on autopilot. And... That's what I did. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to see what's out there in this lane. And if something pops up, even though this makes no sense to me, I'm going to go ahead and take the opportunity. And the minute I said that, boom, boom, boom. Like it was a matter of days and I had exactly what I was looking for. And so I went into this opportunity and like I thought it would be, I was like on autopilot. It was mindless work. The hours were fine. It was like close to my home, no stress. And Um, The whole time I'm telling myself, with the skill set and the talent that you have, there's so much more that you could be doing. But my gut kept saying, this is where you are meant to be right now. And by taking that opportunity, it allowed me time to really heal in a way that I didn't realize I needed to heal from the chaos of the last couple of years. Had I just went into the next big opportunity that was probably going to be stressful, it might have been the straw that broke the camel's back. But I was living really in all three of those things I just talked about. It was surrendering the life that I thought that I wanted and all the things that I thought I had to do to make it happen because it wasn't clicking. It was me knowing that, you know what, at the end, this wasn't at first, but eventually I got there. Like my life may look completely different than I thought it would, but my end is going to be the same. I I don't know how I've gotten so far off the journey to be here. But I know 
that where I'm supposed to be will happen. And then that last piece, the inspired action, finding that opportunity, which in a lot of ways was just low level and so left field for me, was inspired action. Even though it looked nothing like what I wanted my career to look like, it didn't pay exactly what I needed to pay. It was inspired action for this season that I was in in my life. And then as I was there, it was like a matter of months, months and months and months. And over time, I started getting that next gut feeling. And I was saying, "Mm, you know, I think I need to move into more like being a consulting attorney at a major corporation. I don't really know how that's going to work, but like, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And so people would be asking me both at the office I was working in and personally, so what's the next step? You going back into full-time solo practice? Like, what's your plan here? And I was saying, oh, I think what's next for me is, you know, I'm going to do some consulting attorney work inside of Fortune 500. And I went from saying, I think this is what I'm going to do to I'm going to do it. And people will be like, oh, you know, have you have you landed something yet? No, but this is just what I'm going to do. And what ended up happening is there were just weeks of that, of just me feeling in my gut that that was the next move, but not knowing how it was going to happen to one day I was just outside on a, on a lunch break. And I ran into a colleague who was working the same opportunity I was. I met her there, another lawyer, and she had just gotten off a call and she said, Hey, I was just on a call with an executive recruiter talking to me about this this opportunity, you know, related to tech contracts, that's not my bag, but funny, I should run into you out here because I know it's your bag. Would you be interested? It's just like a consulting attorney thing, um, but it's at a major corporation. Would you be interested? And just like that, it went from her passing on my contact information to that executive recruiter. I think it wasn't even two weeks before I had come to an agreement with this, with this fortune 500 company, which became Morgan Stanley, where I ended up going from consulting attorney to VP, uh, actually working there. And this is what I mean about those, that inspired action and that uncertainty and certainty coexisting. When you start to follow whatever that voice is in your soul or in your spirit that's telling you this is the next step for you, even if it's nonsensical, do not ignore it. Because That's the next mile marker for you to get to where you're trying to go, whether you realize it or not. And no matter how far off it looks like from the life that you want, there is something that is happening behind the scenes. And oftentimes we're in a situation where it doesn't come full circle until sometime later. But you you cannot ignore the voice that is telling you to follow whatever that lead is. And if you're asking yourself like, well, how do I know whether this is the right thing? In addition to trusting your gut, here's one thing I I know to be true. Those inspired actions, they're not necessarily easy, but you will find some level of comfort in it, even if it's not easy. There's something about it that has, that puts you in a state of ease, even if it's not easy. There's not a resistance happening. You don't feel tension. You just know, "Mm, even if it's a little bit hard, it's what I'm supposed to be doing. And we've got to get better about tuning out the rest of the world and tuning in to our own guts, because I promise you that gut will never steer you wrong. So that's where I'm leaving you today. First step, stop chasing. Second step, learn how to allow certainty and uncertainty to coexist. And that third step, take inspired action. 
Now, if you have been inspired by this here episode, do me a favor, tell two or three friends about it. Jump down in the comments on IG and let me know what you gleaned from this topic. And last, but certainly not least, remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa and music was provided by Thovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26er. That's December 26ER. 